I'm Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance, and you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. I'm Demetri Miller with No Zone Diesel. This is Anthony Range from XDP. This is Jaron Holder from Holder Down Performance. Corey Willis from PPI. I'm Drew with D&J Precision Machine. I'm Pinky. And you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. Diesel Podcast. And you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. The Diesel Podcast. The one and only Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? Today's a different kind of podcast Ryan and I are going to be doing. It's going to be a rant, and it's a rant on the elephant in the room, what we're not hearing talked about out there, but it it directly affects parts and trucks and things you guys buy and parts that are made, and I know all the shops and, and companies out there that listen to it, so we're going to address it today. I'm pretty excited. Ryan, how you been, man? Well, you know, and this isn't even my rant. I got a text from you saying, bro, we got to talk about this on the podcast. Like, I've had it up to freaking here. So I'm, I'm excited to hear Angry Patrick. You're always so nice and, and complimentary towards people, but I feel like you have, like, flipping had it <laughs> when we were chatting. It's just a ploy, bud. <laughs> Here's, here, this has been building for so long, and I've mm-hmm. seen it. When I was just a, a you know guy that had a diesel and bought parts, and all the way till now, I've seen this industry and what's offered in it grow, especially the last couple of years. Like it's just gone ape shit. Well, like diesel's obviously more mainstream now. I mean, we're all over TV. Yeah. SEMA's coming up. I guarantee you, every every other feature vehicle, whether it's a floor mat company or uh, a paint booth company or something like that that's completely unrelated to towing or diesel performance has a diesel truck in their boots. So, I mean, like, it's, it's, the, it's the new hotness. <laughs> it sure. is. No, yeah. it totally is. And, and I, I, you know, I'm seeing the trucks go faster, making more power. Um, you know, things hit the market quicker, all those, those sorts of things. But the giant elephant in the room, as I see it, mm-hmm. is how do we get the consistency of the products where consumers have more confidence in them? Like it's just a, a question that gets filled in all the time from either podcast listeners or phone calls in or emails mm-hmm. is, Hey, I really want to do this to my truck, but what if this fails or that happens? Or there's always that hesitation. Like it's, it's a crapshoot. And right. I know you're, you're extremely knowledgeable, more knowledgeable than I am when it comes to the process of manufacturing, of designing products and them hitting the market, is this doable or is it going to feel like this kind of flea market, hey, check out what I got at my booth kind of deal? Right, you know? right. Well, you know, well, I, I promised you I wouldn't mention names, so I'm not going to. So I'm not going to mention any brands I represent, any brands I compete against. I'm just going to put it situationally, and uh, it, it does depend on the product. There are a few products out there that there really is just no competition. There's one or two dudes that make it, um, and it's map protected, and, uh, you know, you get decent money for it. It's proprietary, that type of thing. Um, and then there are some things that I feel like everybody and their brother feel like they get to be a part of, um, the turbo industry is very much like that. So here's the situation in my mind. Um, you can probably in your mind's eye picture of a, a larger company, a company that's been around for a long time, has its own machine shops, 
does its own designing of product, does its own, you know, castings, has direct relationships with the turbo companies, things like that. So let's just talk turbos for a minute. Um, and then you've got guys that may have a direct relationship with a turbo company. They do not have much infrastructure when it comes to machining, but they have a lot of, say, um, they're very nimble. They, you know, they can come out with a product like, boom, like that. Now, it may come out and it only fits, it doesn't fit cabin chassis or this boot doesn't fit. And I know that has caused some frustration with consumers is that they, sometimes they just don't know what to buy. You know, that it gets yeah. out a little too quickly uh, regardless of the quality. You know, it may be a good quality piece, but they just want to be first to market. Um, and there's something to be said for being first to market. You know, you get first to market and uh, usually you get known as the Kleenex of tissues. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, there are some other things, some other factors, like in electronics, they say if uh, if uh, porn and Disney pick you, you know, that it's either, you know, Blu-ray or, or HD DVD, and it was the Betamax and the uh, the <laughs> VHS, but, I mean, it, it, there are some other factors in diesel, but, you know, we'll just try and keep it simple. The caveat or the problem that we have is, isn't the guys that come first to market, at the end of the day, those guys will never be able to produce as much product as these larger entities that have all this infrastructure. It's just these are bigger ships to move, you know, these, these bigger companies. And so yeah. while we're sitting there designing something uh, where we're going to do, say, a casting instead of, say, make it out of billet, that's going to make my product cost me less money for the same quality because I have to build in layers for my wholesale network so that product can be available all the time. You know, so like, you know, just like you mentioned, you can go to Walmart and buy a blender or a PS4 and it all works and never have to take anything back. We want to be that. You know, we don't necessarily want to be Walmart, but we want to be able to be like, I need this turbo, I can get it right away, this kit. Um, so the problem is that bridge is these succubuses that uh, exist out there. Is they'll go take the, the little guy uh, turbo design and uh, they'll take, you know, they don't have any infrastructure at all. Usually these are third-party resellers, Amazon, eBay, that type of thing. And they will go and, and buy that kit. They will ship it to Shanghai, and Dong or Wang or whatever motherfucker over there copies it to the T, and then it, it gets out into the ether for 20% less because they have zero thought to selling it to jobbers. Now, the guy who came out with the kit, he probably has a little jobber network. He probably sells a little retail sells a little jobber. The big guys sell a little jobber. By jobber, I mean dealers. Not everybody speaks my lingo. The, the big guys generally only sell wholesale, um, which is the guys who sell to the dealers or to the jobbers, and that's, that's their function, right? Yeah. This guy that comes in, he just sells directly to end retail. So he just needs enough money to support his, like, cocaine and amputee porn habit or whatever <laughs> terrible thing this bastard does. Like I said, I'm not going to name names. I want to name names, but I've had so many products that the companies I represent be ripped off before, and I know other guys that are in category, you know, one, those guys who are first to market have their stuff ripped off, and I know there's a lot of anger in the diesel sphere for it. So uh, in this timeline, if you guys are taking notes, what happens is, is these guys go to war on price. Um, maybe one thing stays higher. Uh, people start having bad taste in their mouth, bad experiences with, say, the turbo kit doesn't fit. I don't believe it'll fit. So these big slow boats finally come into harbor, which are your bigger manufacturer the infrastructure with nice instructions and boots that actually go on there and things that fit. And you don't have to 
deal with customer service, but you do have, if you do have to deal with a customer service call, there's a whole support staff behind it, right? And there's a whole distribution network behind it, so you can get them, you know, right away. Um, so like I said, I got nothing against category A, the guy who's first to market. And I uh, obviously don't have anything, I have more experience in category C, which is the last to market, but I think it's a, more uh, available product um, that's more repeat, that's more quality to it. Well, the thing is, is category B, because consumers are trained this way, has set the price for what this stuff costs. So, you know, we end up looking at a costing model and have to say, well, geez, we can't include this. We can't put this nice thing in there. Uh, we can't even afford to do this video for it or something to that effect. Or, you know, I can't put as much margin into it for the dealers to make money so they can continue to advertise and make this more mainstream and continue to push the aftermarket. You know, you got to think, every time you buy a diesel product, you're reinvesting into that space of the community. And who do you think is going to grow the industry better? The big guys, the guys who are first to market and they're innovating and, and they're really big enthusiasts, or the rat dick motherfucker who just goes on Amazon and slings stuff that, is a complete and utter copy of either the guy that's first to market or they start copying people that have had products out for years and just cut the legs out from underneath it. So sorry about all the swearing. I'm sure you can bleep it out, but it might be funnier with beeps. But, yeah, that's, that's the process, man. And and that is why it's hard for us to um, put more repeatability and quality in these things because if we don't get to market fast enough, these guys get to set the price, you know, and we don't want them to set the price. Um, so if we get if we get there too slowly, as as being somebody who I believe is on the big ship side, it's 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 no good. Um, the guys that are first to market, that their only weapon is to go onto social media and tear people down, and say what a piece of junk it is and it doesn't fit. But some people just don't care. There are these like broke diesel owners that like have this busted old twelve valve. No offense to twelve valves, but or a seven three or whatever it is, they can barely afford the vehicle anyway, and they want to throw a turbo on it. And they throw some piece of junk on it because it says X, XY millimeter. And it's a certain size, but it's nowhere near a good a kit as there is available out there from a lot of, um, you know, good, good, good manufacturers. I think, I think a lot of dealers, and, and I'll, I'm going to spin the microphone to you, Pat. I think a lot of dealers are, I don't want to say spineless. So what's a better way to say it? I think they're so afraid of losing the sale that they're willing to drop their pants or sell the cheap thing, or offer anything on their websites or their third-party sites, out of fear of this consumerism. You know how 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 our consumers buy things, and so I, I don't deal almost hardly at all in the retail. And this is my perspective. You know, just kind of trying to think critically. But you know what what do you do as a retailer when somebody calls you and says, "Hey, you know, what about this eBay kit? Um, can I buy it? Is it the same thing? How do you combat that when when it's half the price right yeah that's the part that there's two parts that really piss me off about it one is a lot of these like these shops you were talking about or these these companies that that make a product you know then they're first with it because they they can they're nimble mm -hmm. is these people have invested in many cases their entire savings they've oh, yeah. leveraged their futures their family life tons of things to be able to try to live the american dream like anyone wants to do is mm -hmm. is build something and be good at it and you know from the retail side is yeah you'll be talking about a kit or a part or something and then you know the person will say hey well look at this on on ebay or amazon there's no instructions with it 
I've never heard of the place. I don't know how long mm-hmm. they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you can try it. But it, it kind of, it just, it's this cycle. So that guy gets this, say, turbo kit, the one that no one's ever heard of or, you know, someone put together. Mm-hmm. And it fails and it sends metal and oil everywhere. Well, then they're like, man, the diesel industry, the aftermarket company suck. Look what it did to my truck. Right. And they're back into this cycle. But I think that's well, the or, main thing. Or they thing. back into a different truck ownership. They end up buying yeah. uh, an EcoBoost next time because yeah. the diesel manufacturer that they chose to purchase from, they went the cheap route and screwed up their expensive truck. You know, We get more calls asking about how to install some product I've never heard of than we do about actual products Like because there's no support. There's not, yeah. there's not a phone number you can call. There's not an email. There's no mm-hmm. instructions. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get instructions from a, t- you know, toasters come with them, but this yeah. $1,500 kit doesn't have instructions. Right. Like, get out of here. Now, granted, it, if you're talking about the reliability of a toaster and the instructions of a toaster and the customer support behind a toaster, I mean, the toaster's from the 50s <laughs> or 40s <laughs> or something like that. I, I'm not very good on my toaster history, um, but I'm sure somebody can wiki it and say something rude in the comment section about how I, I just don't know, I don't have my doctorate in toasting things. But it's been around for a long time, right? Um, diesel aftermarket has not been around for a long time. I mean, for the, for the first stuff people started doing was taking larger turbochargers um, and, and things from different applications, like bigger generators, over-the-road trucks, dump trucks, uh, farm tractors, and putting them on light duty. And, and we as consumers haven't had a turbocharged um, light duty diesel truck since, you know, we're talking the mid-90s. Right, so it's not like or early early to mid '90s. So it's not like we've been around since the '50s. So like gas and all these other guys have 50 plus years on us as manufacturers. Um, so that can probably attribute to some of the crap instructions, the the bad execution. But what I, what has changed in American manufacturing um, is simply that is that American manufacturing is a joke. You know, everybody just takes it overseas. You know, with this. Uh, the, the big trade show in Vegas coming up, um, uh, there was a – the U.S. Marshals came in last year and arrested uh, two Chinese people uh, or a Chinese company. There was two people in the booth. Arrested them, confiscated all their parts for patent infringement, and they finally cracked down on somebody. But I, I, I can't remember what it was, a gas tank or something like that. But uh, this stuff's real, man. You know, like if, if you go to that show – in Vegas, which is next week, which you guys can all figure out what it is, I will get approached by, gosh, especially if you have a booth, you'll get approached by a few people from overseas, and they'll say, we can make this for you. We, we, we 100, 100 to start. You know, we make it only $50. And you're just like, no, <laughs> no, I don't want yeah. to do this. Yeah. But but if, if you don't give a crap about the industry, if you're not an enthusiast, if you're just a capitalist, if you're just after – you know, buying and selling goods off Alibaba or something like that, which that's a real thing. I'm not, I'm not making a joke, but um, then, then our our industry is only going to continue to suffer these these issues until the consumers make the decision to buy the right stuff. And that's that's my point at the end of the day. Like, they, there just hasn't been enough bad experiences with this ch- cheap Chinese junk. That because, like, I know sometimes I'll buy something on Amazon. Like, you can buy an OEM bulb for my DLP TV. Or you can buy, which is $330 for Mitsubishi, or I can buy a $20 one. And I'm like, ah, shoot, I can buy 10 of these things before I need to buy a Mitsubishi <laughs> one, right? 
And but I know it's going to blow up. I've never called for warranty because I know I decided to buy the cheap thing because I just keep thinking I'm going to upgrade my TV and throw this thing in the trash, right? So, like I'm just as guilty of it as anybody else. But gosh, I don't think consumers should be surprised or mad at anybody, except for themselves at the end of the day. Because I I do think that that snake in the grass will always exist in every single consumer good that will ever be produced, whether it's exhaust, turbo kits, or whether it's televisions and computers and ink pens. I mean, it, it's going to be everything. Like, you'll just be like, oh, well, this is the cheapest thing I could humanly purchase. You know, I deserve to have a piece of junk that falls apart on me. Um, but like I said, it, 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 with how connected we are on social media and things like that, I, I just think it's just not perceived that way as, you know, everything seems to kind of the buck stops with these manufacturers. Um, and, and we get drug in the mud. Because we're just the diesel aftermarket. Like, we're all lumped into the same group, you know? Well, in some ways, that's very accurate. You know, like, that's another part of this, too, that gets me worked up is, you know, well, you know, I make a transmission part or I make a turbo part. I don't care about injectors. Mm -hmm. I don't care about tuning. It's all related, you know? Yeah, it is. I'm all for capitalism. You know, if there's only one turbo kit in the world and it's $10,000 and there's, you know, two other come you know, companies come along can do it for three. Great. Mm -hmm. But when it's a race to the bottom and it's Mm -hmm. a race to the bottom with quality, with a customer experience, with customer service, with performance, that doesn't help any of the, it doesn't help any of the racers. doesn't help any of the events. doesn't help any of the truck owners doesn't help any of the companies. doesn't help any podcast when that shit goes on. So that's what I hope to see. Not that that'll ever be gone. You know, that's always going to exist in a, in a a free market economy, but I would like to see that not play such a, a, a major role, I guess, is what I'm saying. And I, I would just like to see the term made in America mean fucking something to somebody, again, in the consumer world. That, that, that would mean something to me. You know, I got a couple of kids. You know, what, what are they going to be buying when, you know, when they're, they're my age? You know, when I was growing up, you know, some, somebody would have something and be, and that'd be the first thing you said, man, this one's made in, in America. You know, I got a, I got a buck knife from Chad at Alligator. And, uh, he said, I was like, I really like this knife. It was a Christmas gift. And he's like, yeah, we made sure those were the ones made in Idaho. And I was like, that meant something to me. And so I think yeah. there are some, um, retailers that could do well with a dose of just saying, we only sell stuff that's made in the U.S. You know, period. And I think that needs to mean more, particularly to, I mean, look at our demographic, Pat. These are blue-collar guys. These are diesel truck owners. It's not like we're dealing with, you know, the Supra Club where they think the Japanese have invented every good thing ever since the, you know, beginning of time. So I I just think that if you can employ Americans, whether it's on the people producing the product, um, the raw materials, the... Uh, um, the re- reseller sites, things like that, uh, don't just go the cheap route. You know, reinvest in your country, in your community, and, uh, you know, like it, it just every like you said, it's related. It's all related. So your dollar goes into the diesel community, which goes into social media, and if you have a good experience with something, um, you can get out there and get people excited about owning a diesel truck, and we can continue to have this uh, steady rise of dominance because, like I said, I, I'm really enjoying the fact of how mainstream diesel has become. 
you know, and how covetous people are of diesel trucks. Like before it was just like, oh, that's a farm truck. Now it's like, oh, man, those things are awesome. You know, like my kids dig trucks, you know, kind of a thing. Not monster trucks, but just like diesel trucks. And so, like, I, I just want to keep that rolling for as long as I, I can, you know, and I hope, I assume you do too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been brewing for a while, you know, a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. I've been seeing on social media and, you know, even, even podcasts, you know, kind of touched on it a little bit. But mm-hmm. I feel like that's the that's the next main thing to get past so that there is more predictability in yeah. parts. There are, mm-hmm. you know, the, there's the big companies, there's the ones that are first to market, there's the installers, there's the retailers, great. But the more predictability there is in products, I think that's what these truck owners really want is they don't want to hesitate. And I know they feed into it, like you said, or can with, I just want the cheapest thing, but blatantly ripping off people's stuff and then cutting the, the price on it is bullshit. There's a lot of misinformation out there too. You know, you can go onto a forum and read and think that you're a turbo expert, but then you look on the date, it says 2008. On when that that thread came out, you know what I mean. And so there's so much misinformation, and like you mentioned earlier, when you and I were talking talking on the phone about this before we got on the podcast, was that you know it it just seems like these companies get stuff out in such a rush that they're beta testing with retail consumers as opposed to. And again, that just comes down to the manufacturing climate that we're in. You know, I, I never buy the first version of something to come out like when. Blu-ray and HDTV, I, I, sorry to keep talking about uh, consumer electronics, but, like, I, I'm usually, I don't buy it when the first new iPhone comes out. I'm like, I'm going to wait till the bugs get worked out of this one. You know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of one of those things that don't get in too big of a hurry to, to jump on the seems to be the newest, coolest thing until some of these shop owners have used it and had experience on their own trucks. And, and I wouldn't trust a local installer um, or a retailer that didn't own a diesel truck, that didn't drive one every day, that didn't have one turned up, that didn't, you know, have some level of experience, personal, first-hand experience with failures, ups, downs. You know, that's why, like, uh, with the brands I represent, I try and get my equipment onto everybody's trucks that work there, you know, uh, offer discounts or sponsorship, that kind of a thing, in an effort so they can drive it and know that it fit and know that it works well and then they can pass that knowledge off to consumers. And I think consumers should just do a better job of not going to eBay and finding the cheapest thing that they think is going to fit in the hole. You know, we've, we've had a lot of issues with people. I think, you know, the bigger brand that I represent has a very distinct color. Uh, we've had people with issues of people spray painting transmissions our color and calling them our transmissions. Like, I get it a lot more than you think. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we oh, have. I've heard about that a few times. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I've it heard happens, about it. man. So I don't know. That kind of stuff is is what has to stop. And like I said, if the barrier of entry of uh, manufacturing would be a little tougher, if we didn't have the ability to ship things overseas, if there were much heavier tariffs on them, like I wish our president would put into effect, um, I I think everything would instantly get better over here. Because, you know, the foundries that work with, you know, uh, companies I work with and some of these first-to-market companies are actually shared, we keep those contacts really, really secret. Um, because if, if the day comes that you can't ship stuff overseas so easily, we, we kind of control when things come to market, you know, and the quality of what, how they do come to market. And hopefully that will happen someday. But, you know, with the ability to ship overseas and, and get 50 or 100 of something for a quarter of the cost that it costs to do it right. But then you're also blowing away all the design time. 
you know, that is the huge expense. You know, when you make a casting piece, Pat, you make it out of wood. Literally sit yeah. there and glue pieces of wood together, and you've seen, you've seen the process. When you yeah. do all the computer-aided drafting, you know, that's a lot of time in front of a computer with an engineer, and engineers aren't cheap. I don't know if you know this, but they go to college for a long time, and people who go to college for a long time, kids, make a lot of money. So <laughs> it, it's just it's one of those things, and, and then they get to skip that whole step. And like I said, that's just unfair at the end of the day. Yeah, I've been on both sides of it. You know, I, I have helped with some products and as far as, like, putting them on a personal vehicle and that mm -hmm. whole process. I would never wish that on a consumer, on their work truck. It's not it's not easy. It's not cute. It's not fun. But it's done to be able to, you know, make it more predictable, you know. And then on the other end, I have had great experiences, you know, early on with some of the tuning where the companies would say, hey, this is new. We want you to try it. You know, you run into things and they would be right there to help fix it and, and everything. And it was great, but that's not the norm. It's just like, I want your money. I want my profit. Take it. Don't call. <laughs> so, so there's, and, and we can probably close on this. We, we freaking beat this horse to death. But interesting thing there, uh, you know, about like um, EO numbers and CARB approved, uh, not approved, but CARB, executive order numbers through CARB. There's two ways you can actually get a product that is deemed to affect the emissions of a vehicle uh, through. One is through CARB, which is like a one-time test on a dyno. It doesn't raise or lower emissions by 10%, right? Um, and I do mean that lower. Like if it's, if it's too low of emissions, they'll fail it too. It's really stupid. Um, <laughs> and then there is, um, there is the EPA. You can go through the full government test. So the OEM, and this is probably why diesel trucks cost so dang much these days, the OEM has to do the EPA test. Anything that's a DOT approved has to go through the federal government, not through Air Resources Board in California. So the EPA test has what's called a durability test. And um, do you know what that is? I'm not sure if you've... Uh, I don't. You don't? Okay. So the durability test is not only do they have to meet these standards of, um, you know, CAFE standards, which is mile per gallon, uh, emission standard, which is what's coming out of the pipe, obviously, um, uh, based on some, you know, random set of <laughs> rules, that kind of thing, whatever category or uh, whatever class emissions thing it falls under, whether it's a diesel truck or a hybrid, that kind of thing. All that affects, you know, what, what you can actually do with it. But uh, the durability test is a 100,000-mile test that those products still work after 100,000 miles. If they don't work after 100,000 miles, they have to restart. You know how long it takes to put 100,000 miles onto a vehicle? So, I mean, like, all that testing has to get done in the OE. Aftermarket, are you kidding me? <laughs> if we all had to put 100,000 miles on a product before we took it to market, that would be something. You know, we try and test all the stuff we release for Dodges out on my road vehicle, and I drive about 60,000 miles a year, something like that. So we can try a new drum or turbo or, you know, something to that effect and really put some decent miles on it. But you're still not even doing close to what Ford does or Chevy has to do on, like, their DPS systems working or the urea systems or, you know, anything that's involved with the fuel, air, or exhaust of, of those trucks. They, they all have to meet that durability test. And aftermarket does not. So, you know, in, in some regards, that's some of what we're missing out on is, is not having to do that durability test. That is key. Yeah, that would that would be a, a game changer, so to speak. With well, think of the barrier of entry. You wouldn't have Dong's new Super Utes. You know what I mean? Why Why do you think yeah. that Ford, Chevy, and 
and uh, uh, Dodge have have just owned this diesel truck market over here for so long because to make a product, to make a truck over here is such an undertaking because of the restrictions they put on it, on you know what you can do that nobody can afford to do it, you know. <laughs> so except yeah, except yeah. for these big big guys, but we don't have that on aftermarket parts. You know, we we don't have to meet these standards. You know, they they don't even have to meet the uh, what are those those uh, not SAE, but um, but the, there's there's certain um, uh, codes that that some products can apply for, but it just means nothing to consumers anymore. If you're not going to go buy things that have been like consumer reviewed or something to that effect, so that's I don't know. I guess that would be my final thought is that if consumers would just be a little pickier about what they put on their trucks, we could probably get a little further. A little faster, because then the big guys can make, you know, a little bit more money on this, and as can the innovators, and then we can invest more into this industry. You know, we're not going out and buying yachts. <laughs> right. We're going out trying to buy more infrastructure, more machines, raw material, more stock. You know, cooler stuff, race trucks. So, I really like this rant deal. I think we need to make this part of a part of a series, maybe. <laughs> Be like a Peter things. Griffin's, you know, it grinds my gears kind of a thing. <laughs> exactly. I like this. This is fun. Patrick, but, what uh, grinds your gears today? Oh. <laughs> Crappy where, where do I start? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, man, I appreciate those insights. Hopefully, you know, our listeners out there in the, in the from, you know, the, the big companies, the small ones, medium-sized truck owners, racers, people use these things for work got some insight when they make their purchasing decisions as to why it's important to just look, you know, call, talk to people, yeah. um, you know, look at social media, look at forums, look at different things and make those right decisions. Because when stuff goes bad with parts, it goes really bad and it costs money. Like it, Absolutely. It, trucks are down, it's livelihood money that's being lost. So appreciate mm-hmm. your insights today and uh, we're going to fire it up next week. Get some more, I like uh, it. I get like some it. more going. All right, Pat. Well, appreciate it, man. It's good talking to you again. Yeah, you too. Have a good weekend. And, uh, yeah, some uh, wait, events wait, coming up Wait, wait, wait. we again. go, who's, who's going to win the World Series? Astros or Dodgers? Uh, it's tied. I'm going to go with the Dodgers because of Kershaw, man. That dude. He he was on fire <laughs> that first night. I, yeah. I'm leaning towards the Dodgers. Um but, man, what a story for Houston if they won the World Series, all that flooding and stuff. You almost kind of want that, like, Disney ending <laughs> to the World Series. It almost seems like it's apropos, you know? This is the first one in a long time where I was like, as long as the Yankees aren't in it, I don't care who wins. <laughs> I felt the exact same way. <laughs> I don't care. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, man. Well, thanks oh. again. And, uh, yeah, we'll fire this up again uh, next week. Get some more... Uh, some more episodes rolling. All right, Pat. Take care, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this this rant we had today. Hopefully you guys you know, found some, uh, some good information in it. If you have any suggestions for rants or things that you want us to talk about, things you want to know about parts or the d- diesel community or racing or any of those sorts of things, just leave a comment on YouTube, on Facebook. You can you know, message us. We'd love to hear from you guys. We look forward to doing more of these. But until next time. Keep the shiny side up.